0: There are a million ways to make money in the food service industry. You just have to find one. On the Titans of Food Service podcast, I interview real life movers and shakers in the food game who cut through all the noise to get to the top. My name is Nick Portillo and welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. Let's jump right into it. Welcome back to another episode of Titans of Food Service. I'm your host, Nick Portillo, and today is a special treat as I'm about to introduce to you an absolute culinary maestro. Chef Barb Colucci talk about a trailblazer in the food game. Her expertise ranges from executive chef consulting to research and development and innovation and her journey in the food service industry has been nothing short of spectacular. She's traveled through full service restaurants, quick service restaurants, and even ventured into the realm of manufacturing. The impact she's had is, it's no joke. From the big guns like working with IHOP to Shakey's, El Pollo Loco, to the heavyweights of manufacturing like Coca-Cola, Horizon Food Group, and Kagome. Chef Barb has, she's definitely left her mark. And let's not forget about her knack for creating diverse and appealing culinary experiences, crafting menus for places like coffee bean and tea leaf, and dreaming up exciting concepts like churro sticks. Chef Barb's journey is a testament to her unwavering commitment to culinary excellence and innovation. Whether she's rebooting systems, whipping up new menus, or conjuring up recipes for global brands like Nutella Cafe and Del Taco, she's always raising the bar. You're in for a real treat today as we dive into the incredible insights and experiences of Chef Barb. She's not just a chef, she's a force in the culinary world, shaking things up and redefining how we look at the art and science of food creation. So without further ado, let's give a warm welcome to Chef Barb, a true titan of food service. All right, Chef Barb, welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to come on and and meet with me.
1: Thanks for having me, Nick.
0: Of course. Of course. How's your... Well, today's Halloween. Do you have any special plans for the evening?
1: Well, I am gonna go with some of my friends and trick or treat with their kids.
0: Yeah, I love. That. Well, I want to start off with the like a fiery five food service question, and the first one is around uh, is actually around uh, Halloween candy. So it's a it's a a rank. So rank these five candies that you'd most like to receive uh, this evening as a trick or treater without knowing what comes next. All right, the first one is candy corn. Number one. All right, um, me too. Uh, tootsie rolls.
1: Uh, could be number two. I love tootsie rolls. Yeah.
0: Do you like the the color the flavored ones, the like the blue pack and the or the blue and the green? Just the traditional.
1: Just the chocolate, and it could be in a pop too. Uh,
0: n- next one is Reese's peanut butter cups.
1: No uh, five. Five. Snickers. No uh, four.
0: And then Skittles.
1: Well, I guess three.
0: Three. So you've got candy corn is one, Tootsie Roll and two, Skittles and three, Snickers and four, and Reese's peanut butter cups in five. That's a pretty good list. Perfect. <laughs> okay. If if you could invite three famous people to a dinner that you could that you would prepare, who would they be and what would you prepare?
1: Oh gosh. That's a great question, Matt. Probably probably Barbra Streisand would be mm, one. Okay. Number two would probably be—I love singers. I would probably invite actually Earthwind and Fire. I'd invite all of them. <laughs> I, I'm such a music fan that yeah. that I would love to just be in the same room with these folks. And I've and I've seen them all in concert for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but and probably Anthony uh, uh, Bourdain.
0: Anthony Bourdain—that's a heck of a lineup.
1: It is a heck of a lineup, isn't it? How yeah. fun
0: would that be? I, I mean, I think the conversation would be a lot of fun it would to be, be part of.
1: It would be fantastic. What would I make? I would definitely make, I, I for all my dinners for special people, I I make fresh pasta.
0: I just made fresh pasta for the first time a few weeks ago. I was in Italy, actually, in Florence with my wife. And we signed oh, nice. up for a pasta making class and got to make yeah, fresh pasta, which was it was amazing. I mean, it tasted so good too, so fresh because I'm used to, you know, whatever we get at the store out of the box and it was nice to have uh, a change of pace.
1: So fun, right? And you and you get to learn a skill that really, it's it's not very hard to do. It's just a little time consuming.
0: That's right. And it's right. got yeah, just
1: I, a few ingredients in it.
0: I, I didn't realize how few ingredients and how easy it would be. <clears throat> You're right. It was a little time consuming. And I would imagine like if you're in a restaurant mass producing or mass preparing fresh pasta, it might get difficult, but for just a a dinner for my wife and I it really wasn't too bad. Awesome. It's on the topic of traveling. So what's one dish you've had while traveling that you wish more people knew about?
1: Oh, it's a good question. Jeez. You know, I I've traveled extensively in in Italy because my family lives there. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's, there's, there's so many different fishes that people don't get here that that I really love. But let me think. I I would say this is really hard. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say so so. There's different toppings that you could put on, and it's because I eat pizza, and mm-hmm. I know it's not very, you know, very. I, like pizza. I know, but it, you know, it's just pretty standard but in italy it's fantastic and there's so many toppings that they put on it i personally like uh, whitefish anchovies on my pizza and a lot of people just don't try it and i think it's really something that you should you know it's it it's called in in a lot of european countries especially spain it's called tins I, I don't know if you've heard that before, Nick, but no tins. Tins. It's the tins that the fish are in, like anchovies. Um, oh, okay. Different different little white fishes, and they actually sustainably uh, catch these because because there's so many of them that that they've learned how to sustainably ca- catch these fish and reproduce. You know, at the same time, kind of being farmed. And they're they're in abundance, and they're 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 really great. I know a few restaurants that actually serve these. And, and yeah, they're, I, and they're called tins.
0: Interesting. I I've I've never heard of the term tins. I have never even had anchovies on my pizza. I think, just maybe out of fear of how it's going to oh. taste. But
1: <laughs> don't be fearful. It's really fantastic.
0: Okay, good to know. <laughs> good to know.
1: Yeah, that that would be one of my my faves and it's something that not everybody has nick it's it's like you're saying you're kind of fearful of it don't be it there it's fantastic on it because it brings such a savory flavor to it it's it's not it's not like umami flavor you know that deep deep Mm -hmm. savoriness it's it's a different savoriness and it's it's got the oils around it it's so good
0: Wow. <clears throat> do you know any restaurants off the top of your head that serve it? Uh,
1: I do. Well, there, there, there's one in Spain, and I was just trying to remember the name, and okay. I can't remember it. But there is one in Laguna, a uh, restaurant that my friend owns, Lumberyard.
0: Yeah, right there on the corner.
1: Yes, right there on the I, corner.
0: I've always wanted to eat there. I've never gone there.
1: <clears throat> Food is I, I go all the
0: time to the place across the street. It's called Slice. place.
1: He owns Slice.
0: Oh, he owns lumberyard and
1: slice? Yes. Ah uh, so,
0: okay, good to know. I'm gonna
1: have So to put, so I used list. to work with him. He used to own, own a restaurant 30 years ago. Oysters in Corona del Mar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It used to be right on that corner. I think, um, I think there's a Mexican restaurant there now. It's been a minute. Avalas. It what?
0: Is it Avalas El Ranchito?
1: Yes, yeah, it is. It is. So it used to be oysters, and and I've known him ever since then because I used to work the oyster bar and shuck oysters all day and night. <laughs> Amazing. I know. Amazing. So, yeah, you definitely have to try it. He has, let me think, Nick, he's got 30, I think it's 38 tins on, on that particular menu. It's actually separate from his other menu.
0: 38 38- tins
1: from from all over most of them are from uh, uh patagonia and and he has different varieties and different different things in the can that that are he marinates them or they marinate them with it could be olive oil it could be olive oil and lemon it could be tomato and olive oil there's different herbs and spices and flavors that they uh, that they put in these tins it's pretty cool that's so cool Try it. I, I mean <laughs>
0: I'm absolutely going to have to try that place very soon. I've always wanted to, but now I definitely have a reason to go. Okay, good. (laughs) What would you say is, this is a a fun question, what's the weirdest or most unusual food combination you've ever tried that turned out surprisingly delicious?
1: Probably, and I really just didn't didn't even think that this was going to be a a good one, and it was good. I had, it was in a restaurant in Chicago um and gosh i can't can't remember the name but but they use bone marrow in the sauce for a a pasta sauce because apparently i eat pasta a lot (laughs) and um and it was surprisingly good because i just didn't think it would be good because bone marrow typically you're going to want to eat it you know it's delicate right and they yeah they put bone marrow in it trying to think what herbs were in there it wasn't wasn't basil it might have been rosemary but but it was kind of a delicate sauce too it was a red sauce so i i was surprised at that
0: yeah you're making me hungry for sure (laughs) 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 okay in your in your work experience when you worked at del taco or Shakey's, is there one menu item that you're most proud of or that sticks out to you
1: well sure there's uh well there's actually two there is one at each of those and i nick i've worked at so many chains and you know yeah ask your dad that's <laughs> I, right i i work for him uh, but um Del Taco, I'm really proud of, and it's still on the menu, and has been since I was there in 2013, is the Epic Cali Burrito.
0: What's in an Epic Cali Burrito?
1: So it's it, it's it's chicken, uh, it's uh, green sauce. It, well, they keep changing it, but it's chicken, green sauce, cheese, tomato, French fries, and sometimes a queso sauce that they'll inside like they'll switch out it's really really simple but it's
0: really really good wow let's go into your work experience as a chef i i around creating an item like the epic cali burrito i would imagine that you have to look at cost and raw materials and things like that when producing product for someone like del taco or Shakey's or some of these large chains you've worked for you know, how do you map all of that out or do you have other people within your department that help with that
1: no so ty- typically nick um leadership or whoever is could be cmo you know that's giving direction on what they would like to see they'll give us let's just say let's just say i'm building a bowl how about that mm-hmm. so uh, i'm building a bowl and, and they said okay so You could build it only with 30% margin. So I actually have to reverse build, build this bowl. So I have to think about the size of the bowl first, right? And, and actually the material of the, the bowl, because it's included in the total margin. So I would start with the bowl. Is the bowl three cents? Let's just say. So, so now I'm already three cents down, right? For the lid, for, for the lid and the bowl. Then, I have to think about the fill. Am I going to fill it with rice? Am I going to fill it with, with beans? How much rice and beans am I going to use? And then there's another cost associated with that. And then I just build, build, build until until I hit the 30% margin or, or less. And then I see, see what that looks like. It, it's, it's a constant process. And, and you do it over and over and over again until you hit something that you think is good enough to show leadership right so it may be it may be five bowls right so i've come up with five five different type bowls 30 percent margin or less based on their direction it's a it's it's definitely a a, a science because you have to continually weigh weigh products right and fi- figure out okay is it going to in the bowl is it too much can i take a, a you know a quarter ounce off can i add a half ounce here can i add you know a little bit more here so yeah it's 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 a lot of work but it's really fun.
0: it sounds like a lot of work how, <laughs> how did you learn how to do that
1: you know um i probably learned it working for your dad to be honest okay working working at the broker food sales west we're talking back in the day right Mm-hmm. And he actually hi- hired me to be to be one of the chefs there. And this I, this was in I'm going to say the early '90s. Okay, a long time okay. ago. I was a, a, a personal chef before then. I was working at a few restaurants, and I really wanted to learn more about food service. And I thought a broker would be would be the perfect place to learn. And and it was. So I learned from folks that were already there. I learned from some of the salespeople. I learned from some of the vendors, Uh, you know as well as I do that there's so many vendors and they're so knowledgeable and they they passed on so much information to me and learnings, right? Weighing everything, making sure um, flavors match, I was really good at flavors already, but you know what? You can't beat that experience.
0: Yeah, you, you're totally right too. And on, on the broker side, to your point, there's so many different vendors and products you can work with. And in any one vendor, you know, they may have thousands of items. So you definitely have the the freedom to be able to play around and and try different combinations.
1: Uh huh. Well, and, and and they're really good me- mentors, also. You know, like they mm-hmm. they want to, they want you to sell their product, so they're going to do everything that they can to help you sell their product right and if I was stumbling a little bit I, I would just ask them and they they would help me of course I took it beyond what uh, it's what I learned but you know I, I, everyone finds their way
0: coming out of the brokerage business how did you get into the restaurant
1: side well so um working for your dad again <laughs> um, I was recruited to Marie Callender's they came to me and asked me if I wanted to be their manager of culinary I think gosh Nick I I, don't, I think it was in late 90s uh, it's because I worked for your dad for about three years I think mm-hmm. uh, and um, and then um, I, I was recruited to to work for three calendars and and, and I worked with a, a fellow named Armando your dad knows well and yeah he taught me a lot too it was really fun and i i I think i gained a lot more experience you know working on the restaurant side because i was doing so much leg work more right i i wasn't Mm -hmm. developing as much in the beginning i was doing a lot of i was doing a lot of prep i was doing a lot of setup i was doing i was meeting with a lot of vendors I was, I was doing a lot of mixing. I was learning about pies. I was learning about the grill. You know, how to get really fast on the grill, right? How to how to work the fryer. How to look at different things. So yeah, that's that's what happened. And I haven't left the business since. It's been pretty cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you think those skills you learned at Food Sales West and Marie Callender's? were those transferable across all of your experiences? Because you've worked with a lot of chains, a lot of very well-known concepts.
1: Yes, 100%. And and you just get better, right? You just get better because there's different requirements from di- different folks. I worked for chains being being on their payroll and then I went into uh, consulting in 2000, 2007 now. You know kind of almost okay. right before the recession it was kind of already hitting already and um so i went into consulting and um and 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 i consulted for almost 20 years so it gave me the opportunity to work for a lot of people right a lot of different concepts i went i went into the manufacturing side i learned manufacturing cpg and and retail a lot of that how to develop for that how to sell for that you know i'm kind of a salesman too right Yeah. chefs 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 are salesmen because they always want to sell you what they're making right <laughs> no matter Absolutely. what it is but then it yeah, doesn't matter who sense. right could be leadership it could be you know uh, a customer but uh yeah i i learned a lot i learned a lot about Food science as well. I'm not a food scientist, uh, but I know enough. I, I know enough to call call things out, and you know, if I need help, I'll, I'll call someone else. But you learn a tremendous amount working for d- different chains.
0: Oh, totally. On, on the consulting consulting side, we see consultants um, in our market. We're here in California, Nevada, that work with various amounts of different concepts. And it, it's always interesting to see what different things they're working on. What are your engagements look like with the chains that you've worked with in the past on the consulting side?
1: So when, when I first started out, Nick, there were like no consultants. So I was really lucky, you know, to be able to consult because everybody wanted somebody, especially during the, uh, uh, the recession because it was really terrible. I was thriving during the recession because people were cutting jobs then right and they needed somebody to come in and help them so but now but but now there's so many consultants so there are if this is the question that you're asking now there 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 aren't as many as many positions available as there was Mm then does that make sense i because it because all the restaurants now have pretty much full-time full-time folks but what i am seeing is that some of those big big chains in that are will hire a consultant because they're kind of stuck does that make sense also yeah that they're kind of stuck like it's like you have a chain that's 50 years old or 40 years old and that but you can only develop so much, right? You can only develop, you can only keep turning over ingredients so many times. Mm-hmm. And, and it takes a lot.
0: <laughs> so it's probably refreshing to work with, with yourself, bring in new ideas, new energy, and new way to look at it as well. Sometimes we're too close to our business and we may be missing things. So have someone like yourself who has all of this experience, the connections, the know-how, it probably you know, you put all that together and it's a nice compliment.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, I, I love it. I love it still. Been in this business, you know, now for 30 something. I, I don't even want to count anymore, but 30 um, <laughs> something years, but look, you know, and and I mentor a lot of kids and stuff, you know, in high schools and they always ask me, they, they go, you know, why, why are you still in this business so long? And, you know, and I go, because I wake up every day and, and I think about food. I love what I do. You know, there's hard days, Nick. You know, there's difficult days. But then there's really great days. And mm-hmm. you go, this is why I'm in this business because because of a day like this because because I have a, a success and people like what I do. And you know, there's it's hard. Food service is hard. It's hard right. work. But if you stick it out, it could be really really rewarding i love it
0: i can only speak from a viewpoint of someone who's been in the food service industry pretty much my entire career not pretty much my entire career but it seems like from my view that when you get into food service it's hard to get out of it for those exact reasons you know i don't know how other industries operate if people come in and out but i feel like once you're in food service you're in it you like Riding those highs. Yeah, you have your, it is a tough industry to be in for sure. There's a lot of competition and, so, you know, especially on the culinary side, many, many hours, maybe working weekends. Yeah. But a lot of people get in and they never get out.
1: 100%. You know, uh, a lot of people that kind of started in this business were working in a restaurant, waiting tables, mm-hmm. making money that way. And it kind of sucks you in and then you know i i was going to school culinary school and waiting tables at the same time you know and it's it it, all of that sucks you in because you want you want to make money because you have to live right Mm -hmm. but you're going to school school at the same time and you know there's you try to find a balance but you keep doing it you just keep doing it over and over and over again and then you get to a point where you go, "You know, i I, re- I really do like this. It's not always about the money. And it isn't. It, it isn't always about the money. It's about right. your passion. you know, I mean, it's good to make money, S- seriously. Of course. but 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 it's your passion. and I even tell tell these kids the same thing, and I said, "You know, it's not always going to be about trying to strive to make more money, make more money." make more more money it will come if you do a good job and you put your head down and you learn and you you, you keep doing what you're doing and just create uh, your time off and just look look for different ways of handling food and seeing what you come up with it, it will pay off
0: when you look back on your career in the food service industry is there any Stories or moments that come to your mind—that was a positive, or maybe a big failure that you learned from, or maybe something funny. Uh, anything that comes to mind.
1: Yeah, I've had a lot of failures too, for sure. <laughs> um, but I've had a lot of success in this business. I think. I think so. When I was working, when I was working for Shakey's, Shakey's Pizza, they gave me kind of control of almost everything so Mm -hmm. i was doing purchasing i was doing qa i was doing you know i really had to step it up culinary and i developed i developed a lot of their pieces that are still on their menu to this day and this was in 2000 i'm going to say two 2003 or so nick wow Um, yeah there's still there's still three pieces on their menu um that are haven't left and they're still really good sellers i'm really pr- proud of that and i also saved them a lot of money i learned on the purchasing side how how to how to negotiate i negotiate really well i don't know it's just it's a skill <laughs> <laughs> it's a skill but you know it's it, it's things that you learn along the way i'm not just a chef i could do other things right and absolutely a lot of chefs can go in To other areas some some go all the way into marketing right some go some go into purchasing you know because that they you know that's just a a little bit better skill for them but you know you there's there's lots of ways to take your talent for sure it's it's a discipline type job
0: Absolutely, it, it, and to speak to Shakeys, I love Shakeys. There's one actually right by our office in Brea. And oh, yeah,
1: it's been I, I know exactly time. where that one's at. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, the Shakeys has done a nice job over the last however long they've been around. Probably, maybe twenty, thirty years. Maybe no, more.
1: no, 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 uh, fifty, fifty-nine years. I think it's at their I stand corrected. Fifty-nine <laughs> years. <laughs> Close. Close. <laughs>
0: What tips or advice would you give to somebody that would one day want to be like you, working as a chef in restaurants, building out menus, you know, doing negotiation? What advice would you give to them?
1: Gosh, I mean, there's so much, Nick. I would say pay attention, listen Mm -hmm. to people, listen to people when they're talking to you, and work hard. Make sure, you know, again, that if you're passionate, you're gonna you're gonna develop when you're at home you're gonna you're gonna look for other different foods, but for sure, but for sure, you have to be passionate. You have to wake up every day and think about food. think about what you could do. think about is this is this where I wanna be? You know, do I want to work around food? I remember I remember uh, it's when I was in class one day. I wasn't feeling so good, and I—I mean, I was like not really feeling good. I probably had the stomach flu or something. And and I went—the last place I wanted to be was around food, right? Because you're like, okay, I my stomach's upset. Mm -hmm. I went in, I pushed through it, and it taught me that I could do anything. I can really do anything, but you have to make sure that that if you're going to be in this business, that you're passionate. Right, it, and don't expect a lot of money up front. You'll pr- you'll probably make it if you stick with it later, later down the road. But you know, you you have to want to be in this business. Period.
0: Yeah. Well, Chef Barb, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and sharing your story and and humoring me at the beginning with some of these <laughs> funny questions. I know they're <laughs> some weird ones. So. But thank you so much for taking time to come meet with me. I really, really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Ned. I appreciate it, too. Take care. Say, say, Say hi to your dad.
0: I will.